Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I am Jared. Kevin, we are supposed to be talking about UMass and Northwestern. We are going to double it up a little week, and I'm glad that we decided to do that. Um, and we'll get to the football side of things in the second segment. But for those of you that are, are just finding this out, Pat Fitzgerald, longtime head coach. He's been with the program at Northwestern for 17 years as the head coach. Spent five as an assistant coach and four as a player. One of the most glorified players, coaches of all time um, in in Northwestern history has been fired at Northwestern uh, as, as head coach of the Wildcats due to the scandal that is going on there that involved uh, racist culture and alleged hazing. Um, and the issue that I have with this, listen, Pat Fitzgerald, you can say what you want for him not to kind of be a part of it. Right? You got to know what's going on in your locker room and, and what's going on um, around you. But the university came out Friday, suspended him for two weeks in July, unpaid two week vacation in July during um, what is essentially a dead period for college coaches. I thought that was pretty spineless and gutless without really getting into too much detail. More details came over. I came out over the weekend and it got worse and worse. Every detail that came out, but for Northwestern to just sit there, I understand you got to gather facts. I understand that um, gather the facts and then make us make a judgment. Don't just, you know, throw it under the bus for for with a two week suspension hope it goes away and then it backfire yeah the the two week suspension on july whatever friday was july 7th i mean that's just an embarrassment on the university if you're going to suspend a guy you place him on a leave of absence while you determine the suspension and then you spend him either for the duration of camp or the first couple of games of the season even though they can say you know when we we, we talked about Bob Huggins getting fired or his suspension initially was the first three games of the college basketball season, which don't freaking matter, but it is actually still games. The coaches do still matter, especially for a program like Northwestern. They haven't won a game on us soil since I think it was 2021 football season. It was October, 2021 against Rutgers. So, I mean, this is a team that desperately needs a good coach and Pat Fitzgerald certainly is, but it was embarrassing. It looks like they were trying to sleep it under the rug, like you said. And then more and more stuff just came, kept creeping out. More and more players kept coming forward. And it is kind of interesting. And um, apparently the entire football team signed a letter saying that none of this stuff is true. However, only two to three current players, I think, have come forward to this time anonymously to uh, what is uh, Northwestern's uh, the daily Northwestern student run newspaper, only two or three have come out anonymously to that paper to say, Hey, this is what's going on. So if you are one of those two or three people, you, you are going to sign that letter because you don't want to be singled out as, Oh, the two people didn't sign it. I bet you those are the two leakers. So I don't know if I take too much stock in the players signing that letter, but I think a lot more will come out and yeah, I just, I think it's good that he's fired. I don't think yeah, it's I mean, the I don't think it's the end of it, but I think it's good that he's fired. Yeah, and, and and you know you brought up Bob Huggins and Bob Huggins, the only person that is trying to really one up Pat Fitzgerald right now is Bob Huggins, who's back in the news um, talking about things. I will give Northwestern President Michael Schill some credit. He came, he backpedaled this weekend, admitted that he erred 
in, in the way that he came about to his decision without getting all the facts. Um, but what he said is, is essentially the head coach is ultimately responsible for the culture of the team. You're responsible for the players that you're coaching. You're responsible for what goes on behind closed doors and open doors and, and everything. So that as the figurehead of the university, he has to go. Um, whether, you know, this is still one of those situations where there's so much that's going to happen between now and whenever this finally is is over. And at the end of the day, they had to make a decision. Now they can't wait. Um, they already waited too, probably too long. But at the same time, you know, now, hey, now you got to see what's going on. And, you know, for, for them to finally come out and do this, I think is important. Um, it, it's a it's another unfortunate circumstance where a coach doesn't have con- complete control of either himself or his program the way that they want uh, or the way that they should have. Because, again, it's another coach that doesn't get to go out on his own terms. And I think, you know, he won 110 games in 17 years at Northwestern, which isn't an easy team or easy program to win with. Uh, or, um, and he showed that both as a player and as a coach. You know, he led Northwestern to five bowl wins, um, and that's five of their six uh, overall as a program. Now, you know, it, it, the way from what I've seen, uh, it looks like the defensive coordinator will probably be the head coach. And that is ultimately what's going to to be a factor for Penn State uh, when they go to to Evanston uh, September 30th. And I I know what you're saying about having complete control over your program and know what's going on. I do not buy for a second that he didn't know what was going on. Uh, It has not been released because they don't want to um, release the names of potential victims of the hazing. But apparently... Uh, the runs giving and Shrek's list, I believe, is the two lists that they were called uh, for the hazing. Two of the lists that were that were called out for the hazing were written on the board, the whiteboard of the team room. So it, he's not letting that be on the board if he doesn't know what that is. I mean, I, if I'm James Franklin, head of the Penn State program, and somebody's like, "Hey, uh, we want to put Shrek's list on the board. Are you cool with that?" The first question James is going to ask is, "What the hell is Shrek's list?" And then a signal for allegedly a signal for getting run is what the the principal point of hazing was called for this team uh, was what's called the Shrek's clap, which was a clap above your head, kind of like a like the skull clap for the Vikings. Uh, you can't see it, but I, I was just doing it in the camera. Um, it's kind of looked like the skull clap for the Vikings, but mm-hmm. allegedly there's practice vi- there's practice video of him doing that in front of freshman players who had just made a mistake or were having a rough practice. And then other people, other players, mostly upperclassmen were doing like a running in place gesture after he did that to that person. So I don't buy for a second that he didn't know what it is. Is it as bad as we know? Like, is it two players who maybe just pissed at Fitzgerald? I don't know. And, you know, he could have a lawsuit come in if, if all of this comes out, the, the weird thing is going to be, He's owed like $46 million. Yeah, he just signed that deal. It was a $5.75 million a year deal that runs through 2030. And I already did the math because I'm terrible doing it on the fly. Uh, That is $46 million of guarantees left. So I kind of thought earlier today, maybe they try to pay him like five or 10 million, say go away. But after I looked at his contract, I was like, man, they, they can't do that. Like just give him an anonymous sum of money, say, 
we're going to mutually part ways. We're going to drop the investigation. You can't come back and sue us kind of thing. We're just going to wipe our hands clean. We're going to do the internal investigation, figure out what all happened, but none of your coaches are coming back. We're going to start brand new. I, I think keeping a coach that was on that staff there, I, I think is a terrible choice. If indeed Pat Fitzgerald knew it, because if he knew it, then everybody else knew it. Yeah. And that's the tough thing. This late in the game, we are in July is it would be nearly impossible to um, save for canceling the season, which I don't think these, and honestly, maybe these players do deserve that. I don't know. Um, We don't know all of the, um, all of the details. um, And and the, what we do know does is not okay. Um, You know, in any sort of locker room now, yeah, there are certain, rituals in locker rooms that are in jest now but others view them differently everybody everybody views what goes on in, a, in an nfl or an N, or an ncaa or, or a high school locker room differently you know i played high school sports i, co- I, I coach high school sports you know it, it's just one of those situations where there's so many different things and so many different interpretations that you just don't know how somebody is going to interpret something and i think that's the thing that you have to be cognizant of if if things are going on in the locker room most coaches typically should know or have to know. Yeah. And it's different between like making kids do sexually abusive things to other kids. And like in hockey where the, the, the aid, the AHL call up has to carry the goalie equipment for a week or, you know what I mean? Like there's like initiation and stuff where it's like, Oh yeah. Rookies in the NFL, like, you got to go buy the offensive line dinner or like you got to clean up the tackle dummies after practice during training camp. Like there's initiation and then there's outright like fraternity style hazing. And I think, I think this is definitely on the scale of fraternity size hazing and definitely not pro Greek life hazing. And I'm definitely not uh, in favor of the allegations floating around here. So yeah. Uh, Northwestern is going to have an uphill climb. Um, to getting onto the field the first first Saturday of September, but I think at this point in time it's probably the the least of their concerns, and it probably should be the least of their concerns. Right, and so let's pivot back to Penn State um, and talk about their concerns as we come back from this quick break on the Lashing Out podcast on Indy Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast, New Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, let's briefly talk about UMass before we get into the football aspect of uh, of Northwestern. UMass, obviously, I, I don't think this is going to be a big issue for Penn State, but I think it's going to be a get-right week. They play them after back-to-back Big Ten games. It's going to be important to get to, for them to get for that to be a get-right game. Um, for the Nittany Lions, because I, you know, ultimately they want to stay as healthy as possible. And at the same time, you know, fix those things that might have gone wrong against Iowa, against Illinois, um, and against even Northwestern. It, it's off a bye, which is huge too, but also it's the week before Ohio State. Yeah. So you have the Iowa Northwestern. Illinois, Iowa Northwestern, I think is going to be a top three game stretch, five games in the game in September. You get to the Northwestern game. We'll talk about it in a minute. And then you get to the UMass game. It's going to be a 3.30 kick. It's at home. You're going to have a built-up, a pseudo-built-up environment because you're getting that 3.30 kick. Uh, there's no network announced on that yet. But 
like you said, this is a get right game. UMass has won three football games the last four football seasons. Uh, they were winless in the COVID year. Grant, I think they only played five or six games, but this team lost 42 to 10 to Tulane, 55 to 10 to Toledo, 34 to 7 to Buffalo. Uh, let's see, 44 to 7 to Army. And they lost to Arkansas State, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is an FCS school. Uh, they lost in 35 33. They had to go to an FCS school and then they lost. So this is not a good football team. Unfortunately, uh, the Penn State transfer, Cam Sullivan Brown, will not be there. Uh, he graduated last year. So don't even get the kind of reunion show of that we could have gotten. Um, it probably would have been the only bright spot of this game. But man, this is going to be a get right game. Get out of it healthy. Get out of it without showing your cards too much throughout the first six games of the season before you get to Ohio State because we'll preview it next next week. But uh, man, they're going to need every uh, every joker in the deck for that one. Right, and that's just going to be one of those deals. I mean, just get right, get healthy, stay healthy, and, and move on. Now for Northwestern, us talking about Northwestern it, on July in the in almost the middle of July when this game is in September, when there's so many things that could happen between now and then. Um, I don't know that it's fair. We don't know what we're going to see from Northwestern, but schedule wise, they start at Rutgers, uh, which I think should be a formidable opponent this year. I, I, I don't think anybody should take Rutgers lightly. Greg Schiano is, is, is a proven guy. I think he has a lot of potential. Um, then they have uh, Texas El Paso. Then they've got Northwestern and then Minnesota. <laughs> Duke, North. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Northwestern's playing Duke, Miss um, Minnesota, and then they've got Penn State. So, again, th- that's another five game September. We don't know what Northwestern's going to look like, what their coaching staff is going to look like, players, what have you. And it's just one of those situations where who knows what could happen moving forward. Yeah. And if the environment is as toxic as it was, maybe these players aren't as committed to Pat Fitzgerald as we think. Maybe they do keep a good amount of this roster together. I hope for the sake of their team um, and for their season and for the players who are there and who have potentially gone through these um, actions of endorsed or uh, known by the coaching staff, that at least they do get a season. At least they get a good coach in there. Um, If anything, they had a since the quarterback from Cincinnati, Ben Bryant transferred in. Looks like he was probably going to be, The um, starting quarterback there had a pretty good season at Cincinnati last year. Um, So it was probably going to be a bright spot because they had a lot of trouble at that position last year. Um, But the offensive line is going to be probably terrible. Uh, Peter Skoronsky went number 11 to the Titans this year. And then uh, their top three pass catchers from last year, one transferred to UVA, the other two declared for the draft or graduated. Um, their defensive line was terrible last year and any ounce of promise that they had either left or transferred declared graduated or transferred. And they brought in the 10th ranked big 10 recruiting class. So on paper, even before anything happens with the coaching situation, not a good team. They won one game last year against Nebraska in Ireland. So like I said earlier, they haven't won a game. It'll be almost two full calendar years by the time Penn State comes to town that they've won on U.S. soil, if they're winless to this point, which it very well could be given the situation that's going on. Yeah, so there's just so much that um, 
that could go wrong that could go on between now and then. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Wildcats recover from this and if they recover from this, because I think this is this is a situation that goes beyond the football field and rightfully so. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of team they can put together uh, to play if they if if that is even the case, you know, moving forward. Um, now, one thing we didn't talk about in the first segment before before we take off, kudos to the student journalists uh, for the Daily Northwestern uh, that broke this story and really opened the floodgates. Uh, because without their investigative journalism, uh, this this doesn't happen, and these these issues don't come to light. And I think it would um, it's only fair uh, to mention that uh, while we're on this podcast. Yeah, the cojones to. Let that come out. Hold on. Let me put that pull that article up. Let's give him let's give him actual credit. I have it right here. But yeah, the the cojones it took to actually come out with that um, and really open the floodgates because it's Northwestern football. There's there's no national media attention surrounding that. And yeah, uh, let's see. Nicole Marcus, Alice Brown, and Cole Reynolds, or Alice Elise A L Y C E Brown and Cole Reynolds. Credit to you guys for for breaking open the the floodgates on this one. So I doubt they're listening, but we'll, we'll give them, we'll actually take the time to give cite our sources on that one. That's right. Now we'll come back here from for the third and final segment after this quick break on the lashing out podcast. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nitty Sports Now Network. Kevin, what are you most looking forward to this season for Penn State? Uh, I think I'm most looking forward to, I think this is going to be the year that they have to take a step forward. It's not an if, I think it's a must. And that step forward, I think, is going to be Ohio State and Michigan. How well do they fare? They have the favorable schedule, being that they're on they're at Ohio State and home against Michigan. Historically, that is considerably closer matchups. They they play Michigan well at home. They have Ohio State on the road and they usually play Ohio State really close on the road. Like they travel well to Columbus for whatever reason. So I think I'm looking forward to is and Ohio State's kind of a wounded duck. They don't they don't have an experienced starting quarterback for the first time um in a in a few years. They always seems that they get a starter that lasts for three or four years there. So uh yeah the I feel like Penn State's kind of on the upswing. And seems like the schedule's laying out well for them. Do they go two and zero against Ohio State and Michigan? To be determined. But um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the how the rest of the timing of the schedule. I you know I'm I'm very curious to see how the Ohio State game, uh, what time that is played. Like we said last week, it's a red out or scarlet out, or is what they call it out there. Um, I would be hard pressed to imagine that's not going to be a night game. If it isn't a night game, I think that's probably an injustice to rivalry. Um, but this is a very good opportunity for Penn State to go a ten, ten and two, eleven and, and eleven and one in the regular season. I think they have a very good opportunity to. But I'm most excited to see Drew Aller and see if he can kind of maybe live up to the the hype that everybody is putting on him other than himself. Um, and that's always kind of interesting to see as well. You know, we sit here and talk about what we think, what we think, what we think. And the next thing you know, it's so many things can, can happen. I mean, you see, you know, right now the MLB draft is going on and, and Penn state did have a player drafted, uh, which marks a couple of years in a row that that's happened. And that's very good for the baseball program. Um, but it, development is not a finite thing. 
you know, he learned off of, after Sean Clifford, he learned off of different coaches uh, in his time, but development is, is ever growing. It's, it's all, it's all encompassing and, and it doesn't stop. So it'll be interesting to see what Drew Aller is capable of. And I'm very excited to see that. Yeah. And last year, Drew Aller gets thrown in week one against Purdue on the road at night. Does does pretty well, given the circumstances. He'd only been on campus for, I mean, it was his first collegiate football game. So to come in and do that, I think he has the poise. He has the experience. He got to learn from practically someone old enough to be his grandfather because he was at Penn State so long. And Sean Clifford that, you know, the knowledge base should be there. It seems like the skill level there, just even seeing him throw it indoors and just where he's planning on putting the, the ball and he throws the same throw four or five times and it hits the receiver or it's, it's going through the same window every time. So easily the most talented quarterback we've seen since Christian Hackenberg, obviously the program's in a far better position now than it was then. So man, if he, if he really can hold up the, the five stars that he got on the recruiting trail, recruiting trail, even though they don't matter anymore, um, man, we could be in for a hell of a ride. Um, the baseball player that got drafted was Jay Hardy, uh, shortstop for the baseball team for the Minnesota Twins, round six, pick 177. Excellent. So, Kevin, we've we've got a long way to go. I know it's only it's only July, but uh, football season will be right around the corner. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of this, how the rest of the Big Ten summer ends up because things are happening all over the Big Ten, not just Northwestern. Um, even as the as the dead period is going on, so it'll be interesting to see what's next to come out of, uh, and the trickle down effect of some of these things that are that are going on. But that's all we've got for this episode. Thank you as always for listening. Go subscribe, rate, review, uh, give us your best shot. For Kevin Quigley, this has been Jared Prugar on the Lashing Out Podcast and Indie Sports Now Network. We'll talk to you again next week.